What kind of world would you architect if you had a giant blank canvas staring back at you? Well, on this episode of The Cultured Podcast, we find out how a former architect turned artist, Tracy Chang, brings the unseen into the seen world. Oh, it's a good one. Welcome to The Cultured Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Corey, and together we'll journey into the unknown reaches of the art world. Hello, my babies. Okay, so first things first, we need to just acknowledge how amazing Tracy Chang is and also the fact that this was her first podcast interview and she killed it. She was a little bit nervous about it, so we're just going to give her some extra cultured love because truly her perspective, the way she can articulate how she approaches her work is fascinating and she needs to feel that love. So you give her a shout once you hear this episode and smother her in cultured crew love. Yes. Okay. But before we get there, we're going to talk about my inspiration this week. And this week, my inspiration are the mountains. And it fits really well with Tracy's work because a lot of her pieces remind me of mountainscapes. And there's one in particular that we talk about that's an enormous work, one of the biggest works she's done. And it looks so much like a mountainscape. And I actually grew up in Miami around water. And, you know, the beach was always something that was right nearby. So of course, when you grow up with something, it's easy to become desensitized to it. And while I think the beach is astounding and stunning because, you know, there's the ocean and then you realize how tiny you are and and then the grains of sand and it's just, I don't know. I love I, I love a good beach, but I'm not a beach bum. I love the mountains. Like it's my dream to one day get this tiny little cabin, maybe not tiny, maybe a big cabin, maybe like a nice, delicious beautiful, expensive cabin, but smack dab in the mountains where I can write, where I can even like work on my business, where I can invite my family and friends and we can celebrate and go hiking. But those mountain vistas, there's something about the grandeur of mountain ranges that makes you feel so connected to the earth, so firmly rooted in the earth and also tiny. So, I mean, I guess the the theme here is that I like anything that reminds me of how small and insignificant I am, but that's mountains to me. And also when it's just like fresh and crisp and there's so much wildlife to be observed and to be appreciated in mountains. And it's the kind of wildlife that doesn't scare the bejesus out of me. Like the ocean does. Listen, I have a complicated relationship with the ocean. Just we'll talk about it another day. (laughs) But yeah, so my inspiration this week are the beautiful mountains. And now I'm just going to drift off slowly into Neverland thinking about mountains. Just kidding. Let's talk to Tracy. Welcome, Tracy. Hi. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you on the Cultured Podcast because I've actually been following your work for a pretty long time now. And I just have to say, before we even introduce who you are and what your art form is, like I, the moment I saw your work became enthralled 
And I was trying to find the right word leading up to actually having a conversation with you. I was trying to find what that word was that when I see your work, it elicits something in me and I just become mesmerized by it. So with that being said, why don't you tell us who you are and what your art form is? My name is Tracy Chang and I paint ethereal abstracts that are layered with line forms that kind of weave in and out of the campus. I feel like, to be honest, it's always been hard to describe what I do. I think because it's so abstract while being kind of figurative, like, you know, not representing people or human bodies, Mm. but these lines have a form of their own and they kind of just float around and they dance and they kind of, they're just so playful and they're just kind of like finding their way across the, the page or the canvas. And I'm just there to facilitate that. It reminds me of like the universe and how everything seems to have its (laughs) rules and yet exist in a state of chaos. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. That's kind of how I feel. Like when I'm drawing, I feel very quiet. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things going on in the studio. I have like TV shows and music and all kinds of things, sounds, but I feel like my mind and my body are quiet. And -hmm. I think that's just a space that it's hard for me to be, to get to. And so I'm really grateful for this art form because I feel like, it's been a space where I, I'm not thinking as much, I'm not planning as much, and I'm just kind of letting it go. And I think that's been really good for me. It seems from the videos you post, it would be an incredibly meditative process because there is a sense of repetition with the lines mm-hmm. and your scale means that that repetition happens on a larger scale, right? So it takes longer. Yeah. Do you feel that sense of meditation when you're doing it? I do. I'm also setting out to make it even more of a practice of meditation. I think in the past, I've just been between life and schedules and all kinds of things. So when I'm in studio, I feel like I'm just creating sometimes, um, just producing. Mm -hmm. And so I do what I can to make that happen. And so I don't get to be as in it, if that makes sense. Like, I don't always feel like I get to process that this is meditation that's happening. I'd like for this year to be more about that carving out space where I know for sure like the computer's going off or like the sounds are going off and I'm just present with my paintings, which I'm not often, but they are, they, I mean, I feel like they're, they're a form of prayer for me. I don't Mm. think that they are actively, like I'm not talking through things and I'm not praying for things, but I feel like in my spirit, there's just this sort of like connection that where I'm, I'm letting go of the outside world and I'm kind of in this new world of like creating. And I think that's been a really fascinating place to be. Well, you know, creating things in general, Mm -hmm. the thing that comes up more often than anything else is that the act of creation seems to be the act of channeling something that feels greater than or outside Mm. of yourself, your physical body. Absolutely. Everyone has a different way of describing that, but that's what I just heard from you, you know, is even Mm -hmm. describing it as, you know, they come through you and out into your arm and then onto the Mm -hmm. canvas, these lines that just felt so much like being channeled, right? Being that Mm -hmm. channel of something else. Yeah, definitely. Where you feel like you're, you just get to be privy to it. That's (laughs) sometimes what, that's how I feel. Cause there are times when I draw a few lines and I step back and I just think, did I do that? <laughs> Did that just happen? Um, 100%. Yeah. yeah, but it's mysterious and wonderful at the same time, like that I get to be part of that and get to show that to people. 
Now, you talked about not being present with your work. And I'm really interested to see like where that comes from, because, you know, you do describe yourself in one place as a recovering Mm -hmm. perfectionist. So I'm wondering, is that tied to the idea of perfectionism and losing yourself in the minutia of getting it right? Or what makes you not be present? To be honest, I think it's just all the other things that need to be done in life. I'm a mother, I'm a wife, I have incredible friends and a community that are very important to me and just a lot of other things that I'm interested in. And so I feel like as I'm drawing and I feel like this is what I'm called to do and I'm grateful to be good at it and learning and all that kind of stuff, I still have all these things I sometimes would rather do. You know, like sometimes mm-hmm. I just think this is hard. I'm I'm doing it both as a passion and as also as a profession. Sometimes I would like to just be playing with my son or I would like to be chatting with a friend or kind of just living life outside of the studio. So that can often take away from this meditative experience, I think. And so I imagine that is the pressure kind of brought on by doing commissioned work, right? Because, it can, you know, it can be. what I've seen from your work is you're getting more and more commissions. And it sounds like, you know, when somebody is brought into the studio by their own, you know, natural urge to mm-hmm. paint, that's a different story from what I'm hearing from you now, which is, yeah. well, there's the urge, but also somebody has commissioned me to do this. It's a combination of both. I mean, I'm so grateful for all the commissions. They've been incredible and they've pushed me And I feel like I'm better for it. And of course, my business and my art is better for it. But um, yeah, it can be limiting. Um, I feel like what is great about the commissions is that the the clients so far have been very understanding with what I do and how I do it and are extremely gracious with what I present to them. I feel like there's so little pushback or direction. They just sort Mm -hmm. of say, do the thing that you do, because that was the whole point of us commissioning you. And so in that sense, I do have freedom, but I think the pressure of it going to somebody immediately, like you've already committed to this, it does take out that element of, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I'm just going to put my pen to paper and I'm just going to let go. It's just a different process. Totally. Yeah. I mean, talk about more structure within the chaos. Mm -hmm. Like that's an expression of your life too, right? Where it's like the wholeness of being an artist who is earning a living from your passion, your calling, your, what you channel. And it's Mm -hmm. that, well, there's this inevitable need for structure, especially because you're being commissioned by large institutions and organizations. Mm -hmm. And so there's going to be deadlines But a lot of artists I talk to also talk about how once they started earning money and becoming really, really successful with their art form, Mm. they would have to take breaks to just be like, I just want to create outside of the structure of invoicing. You know what I mean? Right. And actually this year I do have some things in line of just like creating my own collections and thinking about things that, yeah, are beyond like I already know where the payment is and like all, you know, um, what the schedule is going to be. But that part is hard too. Being an artist, being a business owner, creating your own schedule is tough. And yeah, I just feel like it's just all a learning process. I feel like I'm just learning a lot, um, even after five years of doing this, like officially. And my husband and I own this business. I mean, he's a sculptor and he is like one of the main reasons why I can keep doing this um, creatively and 
just practically. Oh my gosh. Partnership. And he, I love his work too, by the way, but this isn't about him, but I love his work. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I love it too. Um, he's incredibly talented, but I feel like we talk about it all the time. We're like, we would not do this unless we felt called to do it. Exactly. And I think you find your energy when you are living from a place of alignment with your purpose. So let's talk about how you got into art, because for me, when I found out about your background, I let out a big, oh, because it just (laughs) makes so much sense. So tell us about your original path. Ah, yes. Um, (laughs) So I studied architecture and to this day, I still love it. I love the field and I love the ideas and the designs. But basically, I thought my entire life, you know, until I was 18, 17, I thought I was going to be a veterinarian. And then I went into college pursuing that and took all these science classes that I was terrible at. And as a perfectionist, very much a planner, type A all the way, just thought my life is ruined. Like I started college and I have no idea what I'm doing because I'm failing the things that I set out to do. So I consulted a whole bunch of people. There were a few things laid out in front of me. I did music all my life. And so there was a little bit of possibility of going into music. And then the practical route was like, business because that's not like science-based, but it's also practical. You could make, Mm -hmm. probably make money. And then my parents were like, well, you, you always liked, you know, decorating and doing things of that sort. So what about like interior design? And I just thought, I don't even know how that applies to my life, but sure. I'll just take the one class that's open to non-majors in the school of architecture and design and realize that wow, I actually really love architecture. Like I, I never really thought about it before. But now that I'm taking this intro to architecture class, I'm in mean, my eyes are open to what that could be. And I started like, you know, I was studying it and I thought this could be something I really enjoy. Turned out to be like the hardest school to get into. And somehow <laughs> I got in. I mean, I, I think I had something to offer, but also I just feel like God really had good plans there. Like yeah. there, I, I'm a Christian. I feel like there's a lot there that, I don't know and I don't understand about my life path, Mm -hmm. but I feel like somebody does. And I feel like there was just like a favor upon like what I was trying to do. Why did your mom recommend interior design of all things? Like, were you just like really good with shapes and colors and patterns growing up? Were you really organized? I think I just loved like creating things, cardboard things. Mm. That has nothing to do with interior design, but somewhere in there, she was like, you seem like you could be interested in that. And she wasn't sure herself like what that entailed, but just Mm -hmm. somewhere in her, she was like, just try it. Like, why not? Just resonated. Yeah. And I also feel like that must have just been like a really beautiful, like favor moment where it was just like in her spirit, she felt like, why not? Just try it. Mm -hmm. And that kind of opened up that door. Wow. Okay. So you got into the architecture school and what was that like? Oh, it was great. I mean, it was super tough, long nights, long days, a lot of work, um, a lot of struggling with my perfectionism and also my need to be told exactly what to do. Because I remember one of my first assignments was like, here's the shape that you need to like conform to, but then just do a design based on that. And I was like, I don't know what that means. Can you just give me some more parameters? And they were like, nope. And I was just like, ah, like my (laughs) sort of my rule following side was like freaking out because I just felt like I just need more information so that I can do it right. 
Like I need to do it exactly the way that you tell me to, and then like excel at that. So the entire five years was definitely pushing up against that. And I guess started the process of like me shedding some of that. Like there are plenty of type A people in architecture and I left still probably being a type A person, but there was a lot of like that push up against, I need to know exactly what I'm supposed to do and then do it exactly as I'm supposed to do it. And then being able to start thinking for myself and like thinking creatively and thinking kind of in this ambiguous way where maybe I don't have language for it, but I can like make it or I can attempt to design it. So I feel like architecture was definitely my first art form and allowed me Mm -hmm. to speak a language that I didn't have in my designs. So that's one space where like, it's not as explicit, but I feel like my paintings are totally, they're absolutely being influenced by what I learned in that five years. I love your use of the word ambiguous, how you (laughs) are, your paintings are ambiguous now. And it's, it's such a perfect word. And also how ironic that one of the great struggles of learning architecture was in releasing and allowing yourself to flow with mm-hmm. whatever came through you. And now that's one of the biggest parts of your process. I think so. It's funny because the lines have some rigor to them. And I think a lot of people think that's where the architecture comes in. Like, oh, you, your attention to detail is great. Your ability to be so um, disciplined in your hand and your stillness or whatever. I feel like that's where people usually reference the architecture, but I think it might actually be what you're saying because I, for years I had to essentially not know what I was doing, but just still do it and attempt Mm -hmm. to do something exciting or new or good. And then now in translation, I'm still starting that way. Like I, sometimes I, especially when I'm working for myself, when I paint, I feel like I'm just going to apply paint to, canvas and see what happens. But initially I have no idea. And the lines are sort of informed by the painting, but at some point they just go off on their own, like we talked about. And so having that ambiguity and working in that ambiguity is very uncomfortable, but it's also exactly what the paintings need, I think. Mm, So it still feels uncomfortable to you. Actually doing it does not feel uncomfortable, but sort of the stepping back and knowing when it's done or what more I think those things still feel uncomfortable because there's no directive. There's no right or wrong, right? It's just based on my gut or based on my spirit and based on like how I feel about what's happening. But I think most of art for me these days is just about discipline. It's about going in a studio and doing it no matter if I feel like inspired to do it or if I feel like I have ideas to do it, I'm just going to do it because it's important. It's important for me to like be working on my craft So therefore, even if I feel uncomfortable, there's only so much I can give into that before I have to just keep doing it and keep working. It sounds like that might also be a consequence of or something taught by architecture school or your background. I, you know, I don't know what kind of background you grew up in or home you grew up in that like taught discipline, but my mom certainly did. But it wasn't until, you know, you had the rigors of having to set your own pace and discipline of like college or your studies Mm -hmm. that I think you truly learn (laughs) self-motivation. Yeah. And I mean, we're shaped by all kinds of things, right? Even stories before us. And so recently I've been thinking a lot about ethnicity and culture um, and heritage. And so I'm like, perseverance is a huge thing for the Chinese people. So I feel like, Mm. you know, there's just like a 
a bunch of things that were taught to me, but also just inherent in who I am. Um, yes. And I love that. Yes. So you, you talk a lot about how your work is about both the seen and the unseen. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about what that means to you. Yeah. I feel like where that shows up the most for me is in my faith. And I feel like that's where some of these paintings are coming from is just a place of like, I don't always know the answers or I don't really know, you know, maybe it's something I'm going through and I'm like, I don't really know what the outcome is supposed to be. And I feel like I'm just expressing some of that thought process in my paintings. And again, it's not very explicit, but I think it's coming out of that space where I'm just trying to be faithful to like my values and what I know and what I don't know and what I believe. Does it also, did you ever grow up with a sense of not feeling fully seen or not feeling fully understood in your wholeness? Oh my gosh, that's a really good question. Um, (laughs) And it feels very relevant. Yes, I don't think I think about it enough, but Mm. absolutely. Whether it was family relationships where absolutely love my family, my parents are amazing and my brother is amazing, but just kind of feeling like I never quite it always felt kind of like I was, I was the baby and like my brother was better. <laughs> so there was a little bit of that uh-huh. feeling of like, oh, I mean, I'm seen, but I'm not like really seen. And then I'm definitely not understood. And then I think just having a certain personality of being a little bit more on the quiet side, at least definitely in the past, um, being a little bit more quiet, a little bit more unsure about, do I have opinions? Do I have a voice? I think that carried with me for sure. And I feel like in the last decade of adulthood, I feel like those are the things that I've been trying to find healing in and also just finding a way to be free from that past of like feeling not quite worthy of people's attention, not quite good enough to be noticed or heard. Um, Yeah, I think that's a really Mm, interesting reflection. That is so real. Thank you for sharing that. For sure. Thank you for sharing that because I know it takes vulnerability, but you know, the very reason I asked the question is because I saw that in myself. And I, I think that when you come from certain cultures and I can relate to Chinese culture in some ways, because Mm -hmm. I'm Colombian, Mm -hmm. there is a sense of not being seen in both cultures that I'm a part of, not feeling like either of them see me in my wholeness. And then also, I think we can all relate to the idea that sometimes the people who know us the least in terms of our whole selves are our families, our immediate families. Yeah. You know, there's this something that you get to know each other from birth and you get this idea of each other as like, young children and it never quite shakes. Right. (laughs) Right. No matter how much you change or how much you grow, you're sort of Mm -hmm. the same person. Yeah. Yeah. So I certainly see that as a reflection in your artwork. What's Mm -hmm. so fascinating to me about your work is that one painting can look like both a mountainscape and the ocean waves crashing against rocks. Another painting can look like a DNA helix and a seahorse. It is such a reflection of the fact that everything on this planet is made up of the same stuff. It just looks different ways. 
And that to me is so magical about your work. And that's perhaps the most enthralling thing about it is just how many things it can be. And in one interview, you said one of the most compelling things about having viewers as part of the experience. So like when you're actually showing your work is depending on what the viewer is going through, they see different levels of depth come through your work. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that and what that feels like to experience. Oh, it's it's wonderful. I feel like I try not to give too much definition to the paintings, partially because I maybe I don't know exactly what they mean, but also because I do want to have space for people to experience it for themselves. There are so many ways to see them. And I feel like one of the funniest things was interacting with a mathematician and him seeing like complex math equations in it. And I was just thinking, mm. I know nothing about math. And like, <laughs> I'm just glad, I'm just glad that you like them. You know, I, it was sort of, this is wonderful oh, that you can connect with God. them as well. That's so cool. How magical. It's fun. And then I, yeah. And then I've had even crazier experiences where somebody said that they had sort of seen like an image or a vision of, there was a painting that they were referring to in particular and that they had seen something like a vision of that painting years before they saw the painting. Oh, wow. And then when they saw the painting, they were like, this reminds me of that moment where I was having, I mean, she was just going through like a whole bunch of things personally. And it brought her back to that moment where she was like, I had no idea what that vision was and what it meant. But like to have this connection now to my past of this memory and how significant that memory was, is just like astounding. And I just, I mean, I was like crying, you know, I was like, that's amazing. Yes. Like, I love that. And I, I love that it's beyond me. That's not like what I'm setting out to do. Like, it just reminds people of things that they're so familiar with, like the world around them, the plants that they see every day, these really magical, but normal things that we encounter all the time. And I just wonder if that's also why people connect to it, because it reminds them of something very basic and inherent to like nature and the world. But I feel like what I'm drawing from is like this subconscious of like everything that I see in my day to day. It's just like a reflection of the things that I'm seeing, even if I don't know what they are. Well, there's so much inspiration and beauty to be found in the ordinary or the day to day, because there's Mm -hmm. really no such thing as ordinary. You know, everything (laughs) is incredible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just mere existence. Right. It's just things become ordinary because you're like, oh, I just, I've seen that. Right. It's how people can think that plants are just like whatever. Because I'm just like, plants are incredible. Have you like looked up close and seen all the little veins and like Mm -hmm. think about how they grow? That is something that I want to challenge people in with my paintings where it's just like, this is normal too. Like all I did Mm -hmm. was stand in a studio and like paint this thing. And sometimes it was hard and sometimes it was easy. And like the fact that you are impacted by this must say something about like the normal things that you experience day to day, because this Mm. was just like a normal day to day for me too, to some extent. Wow. Um, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I think it's great to normalize it for many reasons, but I also think it's, it's important to exalt it because it takes so much work (laughs) and perseverance and discipline and all the things we've already touched on and openness and vulnerability. Is there any planning that goes into your work? (laughs) Um, there's very little. Um, oh my I, God. Yeah, I think I can learn a lot from good planning. But also as I've been doing this, I've just been thinking, 
I think that's part of the beauty of them is that yeah. they are like, I don't even know what is going to happen with them. Like mm. I didn't plan for this to happen. So therefore I get to be just as surprised as the person who's saying, wow, that's amazing or whatever. I also feel like kind of amazed by them, not amazed by myself, but amazed by how they turned out. Totally. And I think there's sort of like a, a faith trust thing that I'm working on when I paint where I feel like I'm just trying to stay faithful to the thing that I think I'm called to, which is getting these paintings out and getting this expression out. So what's interesting is with commissions, I do have to plan it out and it's still Ah. a good process, but it does complicate things. Like it, I do find myself like stumbling more or kind of having more issues where I have to problem solve or I have to accommodate for things that I didn't expect because now there's like a plan and that part's extremely difficult. And I imagine that's a bit triggering for the perfectionism part, the (laughs) over analysis part of your brain, right? When you're planning, then all of a sudden you're like, at least for me, I would imagine I would overthink things a lot more and it would take me longer to start. Yeah. It doesn't help that, you know, there's now a thing that you can reference. Like, Uh is it, is it as good as the sketch? Is it, does it look generally like it? You know, I think those things are very hard for me to, yeah. To deal yeah. With. But I also think it's fascinating this balance between when you're allowing yourself to flow and play, you're not planning, but then with commissions, you have to. Mm-hmm. And so you're having to also explore two very different methods for yourself, it sounds yeah. like, which is kind of cool. It, it stretches you beyond, you know, comfort zones. It does. It does. And I feel like that has been a necessary component too of the practice of of realizing like it actually helps me stay a little bit more grounded in like seeing the world in a more open way. Oh, that is beautiful. That is beautifully put. Okay. So now the big question that some people really, really hate, but I can't help it Mm -hmm. is, you know, where do you see yourself going from here? (laughs) Like what are the things that you want to experiment with more or incorporate into your work more? Um, Anything you want to share about What's next for you? I think right now I want to do the work with like a different mentality. I feel like the work itself has a lot more to explore, but first there's a lot internally that I want to do differently or start thinking about or shift. And in that shift, see what happens to the paintings. I don't Mm. know if that makes sense. Oh, so much sense. Well, like what you were saying, being a little more present with the paintings, setting the intention of meditating, you know, using the paintings as a meditative or prayer practice. Totally. That makes sense. You know, maybe I'm not doing more research or more practice or things like that, but I'm doing kind of like the internal work. And then hopefully there will just be kind of external fruit from that. So that's one major thing because right now I, I see that as a challenge, definitely. Mm, and that is something we could all learn, by the way. Like, let's all just like internalize that right quick because <laughs> that is a beautiful life lesson is like in order to see changes in your external world, you got to focus on your internal world and those changes externally will come, but it all comes from the internal world. Wow. Mm, mantra. Oh, Absolutely. So I'm, I'm excited about that. And then other things are just this year is dedicated to more, more collection launches. Um, I'm thinking about prints, which is something that people have asked about for years. And I have had no idea how to go about it in the way that matches my sort of ideas about the work. Um, but that should be happening 
in the next year. So that's exciting. And then one day it would be really interesting to keep going bigger. Maybe a, a year and a half ago is when I started being commissioned pieces that were fairly large, like 15, 16 foot paintings oh, that yeah. I had never done before. Oof, the one for the independent. Mm. Yeah, it turned oh out so God. good. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. Yeah, we're going to have a picture of that in the show notes so people can see it. But obviously you Great. can also go to Tracy's Instagram, but it is, oh, it's so beautiful. Thank wow. you. After doing a few of those size paintings, I'm just now like pumped to do bigger and be challenged by what that brings. Growing in all ways. <laughs> yeah, growing, growing in, in always, canvas yeah, I would just like size, growing inside. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Growing yeah, in that spirit. Is, that's my <laughs> ultimate goal is just to grow. Um, but definitely just to push myself. I I think in very specifically in one of my posts, I was talking about how I hate change. And the second change happens, I tend to be like, oh, that was really great. Let's figure out how to accommodate this change. But to anticipate the change and to plan for it just stresses me out. But I feel like this year, it's just another year of like getting better at that. And so mm. getting new projects that aren't the same as what I've been getting will just be one way for me to grow in that and to become more comfortable in those spaces of tension where I don't fully feel in control and that's okay, but I will still do my best to make a good piece. And yes. Oh my God. This has been so amazing, Tracy. Thank you for sharing of yourself and your artwork. It's been super duper inspiring. Where can the Cultured Crew find you online? The best places are my website, tracychang.com. And of course on Instagram under the same name. Fabulous. And obviously that'll be in the show notes, but if uh, you can't wait to find Tracy, it's T-R-A-C-I-E and Chang is C-H-E-N-G. So thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been such a joy. Thanks for having me. Be still my heart. Tracy's so wonderful. I mean, there's so much that I connected to about this conversation, including this idea of like not feeling heard versus feeling heard and the differences of those energies and and just like how it can shift the way you see the world if you in your life haven't felt heard or seen fully. Man. Y'all, I'm so grateful for all these beautiful people that come on this show, and I'm grateful for you. Until our next journey into the unknown, keep it classy, keep it curious, keep it cultured. Visit culturedpodcast.com for show notes and subscription links. The Cultured Podcast is a production of my podcast production company, Frequency Media. I'm the host, Michelle Corey. Ina Garkusha is our fabulous producer. Becca Godwin is our wonderful associate producer. And we're recording in Atlanta, Georgia. Georgia.